Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 43 of the Two Hands Under Hurl podcast. I'm your host this week, TJ Mills, and I'm joined by the one and only Instagram maestro, Robbie Mansfield. How's things, Robbie? Yeah, good, TJ. Um, good disappointed. Won't be able to uh, be out nightclub and pla- past um, midnight, but sure, what can you do? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's terrible that... Uh, the virus is after going from knowing if you had a nine euro meal to knowing what time of day it is now. But um, uh, sure, we'll discuss yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Very, very smart. Um, I think they're calling it the, the Cinderella variant. Because it knows <laughs> when you're out after midnight. I wonder what pumpkin cure it then or something. Pumpkin pie or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's strange. It's strange, but we'll discuss it more in a minute. Um, did you have a good weekend, Robbie? Um, we're recording this um, late because of the busy sporting weekend. Yeah, it was good. Good weekend all around. Uh, watching some of the hurling and the rugby and that sort of stuff. So yeah, it was like kind of lots of teams winning. Uh, Cowboys won as well, so it was good. So yeah, it was a good weekend sporting-wise for me, I think. How about you? Yeah, no, the same. Um, I won't lie, I missed a bit of the GA action over the weekend, which I was bitterly disappointed about. Um, it's just different things came up, but I was able to... It's great the coverage that's out and about at the moment, and especially Twitter as well, that um, you're able to... Even though you're not able to watch them live, you're still able to follow track from so great credits. The one good thing that came out of the pandemic is the the real increase in coverage and um, so great credit to everyone uh, when we're on about GEA Robbie their finals took place over the weekend and I think we begin with the, the classic hurling encounter that took place on uh, Saturday evening the Dublin Senior Hurling final uh, what happened to Fina? Yeah I don't know I suppose it was more chemicals just, just hung right in there till the end um, and you just thought Towards the end of the game, Kilmacud, um, they had a penalty and he didn't even put put it over. He put it wide altogether. Um, so you kind of thought there was, I think there were seven points down at the time. And you thought that was it sort of thing. But um, yeah, I suppose it just shows in Harden like you're never really gone unless you're like, you know, 20 points down. Like if you're, you know, seven or eight points down, you could always sneak your way back in there. Um, but you'd be a bit disappointed for Nafina. Uh, I suppose like you would say that population-wise, Kilmacud would, probably be a bigger club so it's a bit easier for them to because they're in the football final as well so they're, they're fighting on both fronts as well so um they're like you could say they're a bit of a bigger club uh than Nafina if you get me so it would have been it would have been a bigger scalp for uh Nafina to to win the the hurling title if you get me so yeah they just kind of just didn't see it out to the end and then went to extra time and then Kilmacud just had to the better legs in the end but uh it was a great game uh i was watching it in Kilkenny, and there was a few people kind of scoffing at it being like a dublin final dublin Harlem final who would want to watch that but in the end it turned out to be a great game yeah no definitely i mean 426 to 225 and congratulations to kilmico croaks they avenged the three in a row defeats of 2016 2017 and 2018 so a uh, great credit there and uh, wish him the best of luck going forward, um, unless he come up against Valley Hill, obviously. But uh, <laughs> I know all joking yeah. aside, fair fair play to him. And to be nine points down and come back the way they did, 
uh, shows great uh, bottle. Uh, there are other finals took place. I just run over them quickly. Currafin uh, uh, were defeated in the Galway Senior Hurling final by Mount Bellew, my lock, one twelve to nine points. Uh, Tullamore uh, won the Offaly Senior Football Championship final against Road. Road were one of the real uh, stalwarts of Offaly football there for the past, I say, couple of decades. Uh, Chemiliers won the Wexford final and Chemiliers were, that's the double I think for Chemiliers, they also won the hurling, hurling in Wexford I stand corrected on that but I'm almost certain uh, I'm correct there and a big, I won't say if it was a few years ago it would have been classed as a big shock, Port Arlington defeated Port Leash didn't just overcome them, they actually had a bit to spare um, so they won two titles in one year 496 points uh, out of those, Robbie, uh, sorry, the Tyrone final as well, the reigning All-Earn Senior Football Champions, uh, Drummore defeated Coal Island 15 points eight, and there are also other finals as well, but um, uh, we will review them um, at a later, or we review them maybe at the end of the year, talk about them. But uh, what would be the standout ones out of those fixtures, Robbie? Uh, I suppose the Currafin losing uh, to Mount Bellew. And it just never really seemed yeah. to get going in that game. So, um, yeah, and like Currafin, I think they'd won two or three All-Irelands in a row. Obviously, there was the COVID year uh, last year, so there was no All-Ireland series. Um, but, you know, Currafin wouldn't have been mad favourites to win that game. And Mount Bellew came out and win it. And then the other game that was, I was kind of watching was on uh, TG Car on Sunday was the Tipperary final. I don't know if you caught that. It ended in a oh, draw. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I actually had that down here and would you believe I forgot to scroll down? Sorry. Yeah, that was a classic as well. I mean, Lockmore Casalini were kind of struggling for Sages in that game. They got a goal. Or no, sorry, they got a couple of scores um, to stay in it in the first half. But yeah, fair play to them. They really made a, a battle of it in the second half to get the draw. Yeah, and they're in the football final as well uh, next weekend. So they like they probably should have went to extra time in the game on Sunday, but um, so basically they're going to have to play the football final next Sunday, and then the following weekend they're going to play the hurling again, and then they could be into like a monster football or whatever, like in a way. So you know, I think a lot of other like in the Dublin hurling final they went to extra time, so I was a bit surprised that it didn't go to extra time in the Tipperary one. Um, yeah, what do you think with the with the condensed fixture list? Should they just try and get a finish on the day? Um, I read a couple of tweets about it and I, I'd kind of agree with what a lot were saying. I think it can be the fairest. I mean, especially on the final day. I mean, in extra time, sometimes it, it can't be, you don't really get a f- true reflection. So sometimes a replay can be more like it will be beneficial to the county boards and all of that. Um, but yeah, sometimes, I mean, tired legs and all of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a a catch twenty two. Like if you wanted, you'd be saying here, who cares if you wanted after extra time? But sometimes you'd be saying here, if we we kind of came back, regrouped and came back fresh the following week or a couple of weeks after, you'd be saying. But yeah, I'd agree with what you're saying. They could be a situation where they may have to go out in the All-Ireland Club Championship the following weekend and then you'd be saying here, 
maybe extra time would have been better. Another notable fixture actually is uh, Ballyhay uh, defeated Ina Kelnamona in the Clare Senior Hurling Championship final, and they done that without um, their all star uh, Tony Kelly as well. So great mm-hmm. credit to Ballyhay there. Um, I mean, you can see how influential Tony Kelly is for the Clare hurlers, but I mean, a county player is always the most important one for a club. Yeah, it's true. It's like a huge loss for them. Like, but um, yeah, it just goes to show you that, like, sometimes when you lose your best player, or whatever, you can it can bring the best out of the team. Um, like sometimes the collective play better. You know, the other like 14, 15 lads will play better without the main guy in there. But if overall they might play a little bit better with the the star player in there. But um, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, because like some clubs are very small and they don't have many people. And, you know, so even for a club losing like one county player could be massive, whereas another, another team might be able to uh, absorb the loss more. Like you'd he's, he's say like, you know, maybe Bally Hale in uh, Kilkenny, you know, if, they, if they'd lost one of the county lads, maybe... It's not as big of a deal then for a smaller club, if you get me. Yeah, I oh know, definitely. Uh, just before we move on, actually, to be fair, um, Kickham Crehan won Dan from senior football final. Uh, Ramor United in Cavan won the senior football championship final. It was a drawn to Westmead senior football championship final. Gary Castle and St. Lomans uh, drew 13 points apiece. The winner of that play, Port Arlington of Leash. Uh, Ratfilly of Carlo won the Carlo final. Clon uh, Aaron defeated uh, Cross McGlan Rangers in the Armagh final. That's a kind of a real surprising one. You see the force that Cross McGlan were throughout the years. And in the Kildare Senior Hurling Championship final, uh, Nace defeated Selbridge. Um, so congratulations to all those teams there. Actually, before we move on, I'm going to mention a bit about Camogie there, actually. But um, a former club I was involved with uh, for a couple of seasons um, won the intermediate uh, title in Kilkenny on Sunday as well. So congratulations, Sparrow Rangers there. After being involved for... The past two seasons, I know the commitment that the girls put in. So congratulations there. And also to Dixborough, who won the senior final over at Piltown in a classic game. And just before we move on from the GA and Camogie action, Robbie, there's news came out today that the Camogie Association has agreed with GA to take over all the commercial rights for another three years. Um, I feel it's a good move for the Camogie Association, but do you think it could mean that to be moving closer to integration completely into the GEA? Yeah, well, hopefully, they, hopefully they do. I like it's it's probably one of the strangest things ever that they're not <laughs> if they're not amalgamated. You know what I mean? Um, now, really, they should just it should have just been an automatic thing. Uh, I'm not sure the exact history as to why, but. Um, like definitely just makes sense to have them all under one umbrella organization. Um, now, unless it's going to be a situation where you're going to see Komogi maybe suffer as a result. Um, but like, I imagine it will just uh, only better the game and stuff like that, you know, way. but, um, you know, it should just be one association and put whatever differences aside. And yeah, hopefully it's, it's leading to, you know, more young girls going out and playing Camogie and, you know, more more women staying with Camogie because there's it, a huge drop-off rate in, in sport for 
for young women, young girls and stuff like that. So anything that can be done to help promote uh, women's sports. I know 2020 was meant to be like um, trying to get like female sports more visible. Uh, but then we had a pandemic. So then it kind of took a bit of a backseat, you know, the way. So it's still important to be promoting women's game for, you know, for just even for the social aspect and also for the health benefits uh, for, for the girls that are playing as well, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. And after being involved with um, Kilkenny teams um, over the past few years, some of the biggest occasions were uh, when the Camogie uh, played um, the curtain raiser for, say, the National Hurling League final in uh, Tur- Turles for a couple of years. And also uh, Kilkenny played an All-Ireland semi-final against Galway and Turles before the Kilkenny Watford replay back in um sorry i think it was 20 was it 2016 yeah 2016 the year uh Kilkenny won the double and it was great occasions because um the players got to play in nearly a full stadium and i mean chanting to the players after they said it was an unreal experience um, so yeah hopefully if there were further integration you might see the likes of that it'd be great to see and now, how it would work, I mean, especially the Camogie Association have, say, all the finals on the same day. But wouldn't it be great to see a Camogie game, say, as a curtain raiser before an all-earned senior hurling final or something like that? But there would be people that would speak against that as well, because the minor final is usually played or say, Joe Mac- or, sorry, the, uh, Joe McDonough Cup or something like that. But we see how it goes. Uh, there was rumours going around uh, the past couple of weeks, Robbie, that Jim McGuinness was going to down. Now, that was kind of downplayed a bit last week. I, I'm trying to think of the name of the player, that former player that was going to go and manage down, and it seemed to have... But the rumours are after kind of surfacing again, have they? Uh, yeah, I've seen a poster about um, Jim McGuinness going in there and how much of a... You know, Ulster is already really competitive as it is, uh, but then if uh, if Jim was to go in there into Down, like you know, it would um, bring up the level of intensity. Like you know, obviously Down are a big uh, proud for like football and GA county in general, um, and probably lately maybe not kind of punching up to their standards uh, in terms of yeah. getting results and competing for Ulster titles and stuff like that. Now, the only thing is, obviously, we all know what Jim McGuinness will bring to the table in terms of style and philosophy and you always associate maybe down with playing a kind of attractive sort of uh, I, I, not that they're they're Kerry-esque but there's probably a philosophy in down that's very much you know it's about passing and skills and taking the scores and rather than being really really defensive like a lot of the other, other Ulster teams you know so Maybe, you know, for the football, footballing purists, is it a sad day if Jim McGinnis goes in there and makes down into a real um, defensive sort of team, if you know what I mean? But um, it might make them more competitive, though. That's the only thing. So I think, think with anything like that, yeah, sometimes you have to trade off uh, maybe a bit of excitement and a bit of, um, you know, silky skills for a bit of grit and determination. And sometimes that results in getting a, getting a title, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. What way do you think it's going to go? Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with what you're saying. I mean, it's um, it's it's kind of a win-at-all-cost sport. I mean, you can go out, play attractive football and get hammered. 
<laughs> I mean, um, yeah. if you look at it, I mean, if you look at, say, the Dublin team over the... When they were winning the six in a row, I mean, you wouldn't say it was overly attractive football all the time. They, were, they knew what well, to do. Like, Well, well I, 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 can, I counter, can I counterpoint you with the Dublin one? Um, like, they were playing against blanket defence. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, like, I mean, yeah, I know. So, and I, that's no disrespect to Dublin, and I make that perfectly clear. I mean... Yeah, um, but I, I definitely think there's, like, a perception that Dublin are a boring team. But I always counter that by saying that, like, if you're if you're playing against fifteen lads inside their own forty-five, like, what are you meant to do? Are you meant to like just hoof the ball in and they they mop it up, or are you meant to play smart and keep the ball? So I oh, definitely think there, there has been that perception. But like, if if you know if teams had went fifteen on fifteen against Dublin, you know they would have won those games anyway. But uh, they just did what they had to do to win. But I'm, I'm not saying you were. Oh no 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 no! I I know completely, and I know you're you're completely right to inject definitely, and uh, yeah, I mean sometimes you have to. I mean it is a results game. It's as simple as that. So sometimes if you haven't got results, you are going to have to change them. I mean the time Jim McGuinness went into Donegal, Arma I think hammered them be what by twenty points or something. Now I could be wrong in that, but I, from memory, I think, um, they were a serious beating for Donegal the a, a year or two before Jim McGuinness went in, and then within a year or that they were all earned champions, and they're still a really competitive side ever since. Um, so I mean, sometimes it has to be done. Um, but anyway, we move on, and it could be something along these lines as well. And uh, Mayo defender Oshin Mullen is going to play in the AFL. And the question I'd have here, Robbie, is, is it a situation that the GA may have to look at maybe semi-professional or something like that before we keep losing players to Aussie rules? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And there's a lot of guys... Like young guys, like maybe in their late twenties, early thirties, who could play on for another few years, who are often to, you know, focus on their careers, focus on their families, and I'm not blaming them in that, in that regard. But it's just that the way the sport is is shaped up is that it's such a high commitment. Like it, you have like a professional level of commitment and you know training and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, maybe your career might suffer as a result and stuff like that. So and at a certain point, you know, it seems to be happening more and more now. Guys are choosing to maybe focus on their career in, in their late 20s and early 30s. And, you know, Oshin Mullen is one of the best, uh, well, probably one of the best players in the country. Uh, definitely one of the best, uh, probably young player in the country. Um, and he's going to get, he's going to go down to Australia and... He's probably have, going to have a great career down there and fair play to him. And uh, there's not, I wouldn't kind of blame any player for, for taking oh, that no. option. No, no, it's no. a very attractive option. And, you know, like best luck to him and hopefully he does well. And like just been plenty of Irish guys have gone down there and, and done really well. Um, but it is definitely a thing. There, there will always be that kind of potential for, for a drain from the sport because there is, um, you know, either life or whatever is is going to get in the way and you know bills and you know it's very costly to to buy a house especially in Ireland these days and stuff like that so 
yeah, I think it's it's going to keep happening uh, and it might even happen more and more. I definitely have noticed in the last maybe three or four years, there's a lot of lads who are, you know, retiring really, really early. Um, yeah. But they're focused on their careers and stuff like that. So, you, you know, you can't really be given out and like that, you know. So, um, yeah, I definitely think maybe something needs to be done. Maybe GPA and GA and put their heads together and, and come to uh, come to a conclusion that keeps the best guys playing the game, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. I just had a, actually, before we move on, um, there were a couple of high-profile retirements in Kilkenny in the past week or so, Colin Fenley and Joey Holden. And, I mean, they're both just barely 30, 31 max. Um, I went to school with both. I know I'm uh, friends with both. And you definitely know there maybe a couple of years if they wanted to stay on, they would have been a few more years ahead of them. But I mean, it just shows the level of success that Kilkenny had that, I mean, players retire earlier, but then there's also a situation, as you say, their personal aspect as well. Unlike soccer, not everyone can be like Ronaldo play to what, 37 or, or even further. Like, I mean, so maybe mm-hmm. I, I'd agree completely with your point there. And especially if you look at weaker counties as well that may not have had success and they're looking at, say, Proposal B or whatever after being voted down or something and um, for the moment status quo saying the same, there's not really there much to encourage them to stay on. Um, I mean, I think the, what would you say, the traditional loyalty that was there throughout the years is kind of moving away because people have to focus on their careers and personal life, as you say. But uh, uh, I think we could talk about that for the next hour, Robbie. (laughs) That's the, there's so many tangents. Yeah, but we move on to the picks of the week and I let you uh, start off first. Yeah, well, two of mine are stuff that's actually coming out uh, or it's in kind of production. Um, It's, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Luther with uh, Idris Elba. Uh, it won't be a surprise to say I didn't. <laughs> but uh, it, they're making a movie uh, of Luther. Um, so if you haven't seen the Luther series, you could definitely go back and check it out. Um, but they're making a movie, so that, that looks uh, like it's going to be pretty cool. And it's always it's always fairly dark and edgy, but also Idris Elba, he, he adds in a bit of humour and stuff like that, even though, you know, sometimes life has fallen apart and stuff. So, and he's a brilliant actor all around, really. Um, so there's that one, and then I'm going to go a little bit nerdy on you, and I know you probably didn't watch this as a kid when you came home from school, but I watched it nearly every day it was on, was the X-Men animated series. Did you ever watch that? Uh, I did. I did, um, but I won't lie to you. I can't say I really remembered. I remember there was where there were one leader in it anyway. Uh, he was kind of uh, uh, dressed in black. Am I correct? Uh, not really. But anyway, we'll no. Okay, um, <laughs> it just shows it, it. It 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 wouldn't stick to me. Memory, say the likes of Doug or Animaniacs or um, oh, what's the other one? Uh, anyway, I go. I let you go on. <laughs> uh, Animaniacs is a great show as well. If anyone wants to check it out on YouTube, but yeah, it's like they're continuing on from where the last X Men left off, and it's going to be the same animation style, same theme music, and stuff like that. So 
yeah, that's just, um, you know, a bit of nostalgia. But you can actually watch the old Netflix or old um, X-Men series on Disney. So it's on Disney there if anyone wants to nerd out on that anytime. But um, yeah, that's going to be made. Uh, new X-Men, X-Men 97, I think they're calling it. Um, and then just another one is my song of the week is going to be um, by uh, Counting Crows. So this was uh, a song enough. Um, if you were watching my Instagram story, you might have seen it um, during the week there. Um, it's called Hard Candy. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Let's double check. But yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant song. Now they have a few kind of popular songs, uh, Mr. Jones and all that sort of stuff. Uh, no, Hard Candy is the album, but the song is called uh, Good Time and it's by uh, Counting Crows. Um, so definitely check it out. And then I've actually a couple of uh, Matchbox 20 songs, um, Real World and Hang. Uh, so there are a few songs I was listening to this week on repeat. Uh, so definitely check them out. So a bit of Counting Crows and uh, Matchbox 20. What's your, uh, what's your picks, Teach? Oh, cool. I was just going to say when you mentioned Counting Crows there, I was going to say I heard of a great tribute band to them, Counting Magpies. But, uh, Counting Magpies. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, um, the picks this week, um, other than, say, the sporting action, it would have been, I would have watched, and I know we we're kind of trying to stay away from it, but I would have watching um, a good few Christmas films, likes of the Christmas Chronicles, and uh, um, I think they're some of the best Christmas films to come out in a number of years. Um, staying away from Christmas for the moment, Power Book Ghost 2 is coming out on Stars TV. It's been released this Sunday and they are a special on that at the moment. You pay through uh, the Play Store or um, I'm trying to, the Apple Store either. And there's a special, I think, for about two Europe. So if you're a fan of Power on Netflix, it'd be definitely worth checking out. The first season of Power Ghost 2 was um, phenomenal. So I say the second season it'd be brilliant, and I think further down the line, raising raising Canaan, uh, be coming out as well. Uh, the other pick is the Grand Slam of Darts is on at the moment as well, and it's great to see the likes of uh, Fallon Sherrock, who made real impact in the World Darts Championship two year ago, uh, back involved, and also uh, the reigning uh, women's world championship champion Lisa. Ashton was involved as well. Now she has been knocked out. She was defeated tonight, but she put in some uh, terrific performances as well. So be, if you're into darts, it'd be definitely worth checking that out before the World Championship starts in a few weeks' time. Um, other than that, yeah, me music will be nearly staying the same and I won't embarrass myself because there's some cheesy 80s, 80s music involved in the mix but uh yeah i leave it at that uh we move on robbie from the picks of the week to a phenomenal victory for the irish rugby team against all blacks last saturday did you get a chance to see the game yeah i was kind of in and out watching it um yeah brilliant performance uh by all the guys and just you know i suppose you know i try not to get too high with big victories and i try not to get too low with the defeats, especially with the Irish rugby team, because sometimes when they lose, you know, people are going on like they're the worst team in the world. Where they were maybe they were close, maybe things can go well. But um, 
I know in this in this respect, um, I'm not going to get too excited either because this is generally what happens when we beat the All Blacks. We think we're going to beat everybody. So, um, and as someone was saying to me yesterday, you know, it's not it's not like a competitive game. It's not a rugby World Cup game or a tournament sort of game. So, you know, let, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, but brilliant performance and you know just real grit and determination and. You know they got a bit of bit of luck with a uh, forward pass for yeah. uh, New Zealand went over for a try and it looked like they were going to turn the screw on us then but it was a forward pass and we ended up uh, keeping them out or I think they kicked a penalty or something like that. Um, so and then you know the the penalty kick from what's his name the guy who came on the uh, uh, Carberry uh, Joey Carberry yeah. yeah. Joey Carby's hit, he was like from 50 metres, just crept over. Uh, I think when you win games, big games, like against the All Blacks, they end up uh, sailing over the bar. Uh, and that was just a moment where you, you just kind of thought, right, this is this is us going to win. But it was a monster kick, and he came off the bench and kicked three. Um, and Johnny Sexton did his usual, uh, getting a bang on the head and going off. Uh, poor Johnny, as I was in the wars. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of the best players I thought was tied for a long yeah. Just in terms of his work rate and all the things that he just normally did as well. But for such a big man, just uh, like the change of direction with his feet and then with the hands, he's, like, he's like got silky hands as well. He's just unreal for the size of him, like, you know. So, um, yeah, overall really good. Uh, then we're playing Argentina, I think, next week. So hopefully we can get a win there and carry a bit of momentum into the Six Nations. Um, like, for me, I'm not really hoping we win the Six Nations or anything like that. I just want... You know, players to play, get given game time, and like really, really focus on the World Cup. If you know what I mean, let's treat it like. Obviously, we want to go out and win some games, but I'm looking for performances in the Six Nations. You know, something that we can look towards uh, the future and hopefully get you know further than a quarter final in the World Cup because that's uh, unfortunately that's that's the one mountain we haven't been able to get over yet. Yeah, no, I I would maybe take a slightly different look, um, which would be unusual from your opinion, Robbie. But yeah, I'd be phenomenally delighted with the win on Saturday to beat All Blacks for the third time in five years now. I know they walloped us in the last Rugby World Cup. But I mean, it was kind of coming towards the end of Joe Schmidt's reign um, and I mean, what Joe Schmidt done with Ireland was phenomenal and I'm not dismissing it one bit. He's still a legend. And if he was still in charge, I, I'd be delighted as well. But I think this was a real um, serious forward set for Ireland under Andy Farrell. If you think about it, in the past two games, they defeated the two teams that defeated them in the, the World Cup, uh, Japan and All Blacks. Um, so and it's the way they're playing as well though Robbie I, I think that's why I'd be most pleased because it wasn't just a situation where we were kind of hanging in we we dominated nearly for a good 60-65 minutes now I, be the, I would have been a critic of Andy Farrell at the start I was wondering what he was trying to do it could be similar to maybe Stephen Kenny with soccer and I leave that a comparison there because we'd be discussing that a bit later but um yeah I, I think if we're able to continue that momentum um and keep con- like before I finish up on it 
the one thing you always ask from a team, whether it's, uh, say, an amateur team or an adult team, is consistency. And that's two weeks in a row that the Irish team is after putting in a really, really good performance. So hopefully that's the template for bigger performances in the future. Now, the big test will be the next Rugby World Cup in France. That's, that's it. But I think it's a good foundation there now. And after being a critic of Andy Farrell at start, I hold my hands up what he's after doing and what he's trying to do. And I think with the likes of um, uh, Kit and uh, Paul O'Connell in there as well, um, I think it's I think it's just brilliant. And both the consistency would be to see how we fare against Argentina because Argentina have been a bogey team of Ireland's, not so much in friendlies, but in the likes of the Rugby World Cup or that. So it'd be interesting to see if we can put three really good performances back to back. Yeah, hopefully we do. Yeah, I know, definitely. We move on anyway, Robbie, and this is a topic you put in, or actually all the topics this week are your so fair play. I was uh, caught up, so uh, they're brilliant. Uh, YouTube uh, removed the dislike button. Uh, I'd be a big fan of YouTube. I watch a hell of a lot of stuff, as you know, our people on the podcast that know. But um, is it really a big issue or is it a kind of a not so important thing? Um, I just think it, it helps you to decide if it's a good video or not, or if it's like, yeah, if it's legit, if you know what I mean. So, like, you could be watching something about a subject that maybe you don't really know a whole lot about, or maybe you're wondering, you know, is this kind of factual, or you know, is it you know just kind of made up stuff, which a lot of some stuff on on YouTube is or whatever. So, yeah, if you're watching a video and then you see like there's there's a ton of like there's way way more like dislikes than likes on it, you're kind of like right, um, yeah, I can see that maybe this isn't maybe all it's cracked up to be, and maybe that can help you make a better judgment so I suppose it's like um it's like helping you make a decision as to whether it's a good video if you know what I mean so yeah. or if it's if it's worthwhile watching or whatever so yeah I, I definitely think you know like I don't think it's like a huge deal or whatever um and I think you know maybe sometimes like people can pile in on a video and just add in loads of dislikes just to be mean which is obviously not good but I think in general, I think it, it does work quite well as like a vetting system. So I would like to see it kind of uh, retained or whatever. Um, you know, especially if you're watching like maybe a long, you know, podcast video on YouTube or, or something like that. Or, you know, sometimes I'd be, I'd be like listening to, you know, more kind of factual stuff or stuff about training or, or something like that. And, you know, the, the, the dislike, not that it would like factor massively in, but sometimes like the like-dislike ratio can uh, help help me save some time in terms of picking a good video, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know yeah, you're after selling me on it, Robbie. I won't lie to you. Like I was saying, I would have, would watch uh, nearly most of the stuff on YouTube, documentaries are, um, and some of the topics for the top picks are after coming from it. And I'm only after starting to like videos and that on it. And um it just shows how old I am kind of that way in a sense but uh yeah no that's a very valid point and I mean some of the 
some of the videos that are put up that say if it was a highlight of a goal or something that you'd be after missing and say it's just after happening, people had put up, say, all world-class goals, say, by Salah or um, Lukaku or something like that, and then it's just an advertisement for something. I, I'd, I'd agree with you that the likes of a dislike button to throw people off not to fall to... In other words, maybe raise revenue for people that are just tricking people. So, yeah, no, really valid points there. And it's a, it's a perspective I would never have really thinking of, being honest. So, yeah. Well, I, I think, like, the, the YouTube, like, definitely, like, in the thumbnail on the video, it can be quite misleading <laughs> in terms yeah. of, like, you know, what's actually happening. So yeah. like it could be like, oh, somebody gets owned or somebody, you know, savage takedown or, you know, all this sort of, you know, I, it's just purely, as you're saying, for the clicks, just to get people to click into the video. Yeah. And so that they get revenue and stuff like that. So, yeah. So I think, yeah, as you're kind of saying, you know, it does help to kind of vet out the kind of the, the people who are just trying to scam people out of, you know, trying to waste their time with views and stuff. Yeah, I know a very valid point now. And um yeah, it'd be interesting to see the the reasoning that um Google will give behind that for removing the dislike button from YouTube and um yeah maybe it might not affect them commercially because people it is maybe one of the only really main uh, platforms to watch videos, say, other than, say, Daily Motion or that, but I think YouTube would be uh, kind of a real step up from that. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens from it. Uh, we move yeah, on. I think some people are just okay. commenting dislike. Some people are just commenting the word dislike, and then everyone's liking that. So yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. kind of getting the thumbs up, the thumbs down anyway. Yeah, and um, oh, I can't think of the word for it, so I think it's time I stop talking. Um, that, it is, sorry, it's kind of the analytics for the videos to get people to, like the more likes and comments that people have on the videos going to, oh, I can't think of the proper term for it. Oh, it the algorithm type thing? Or? Yeah, that's it, exactly. That's it. Um, I mean, like we we look at those statistics ourselves, and I mean, maybe it's a situation where uh, bad videos could get good kind of traction. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, we move on anyway, Robbie, and the title of the next topic, I think we have to throw it in. I put in it's Groundhog Day again. Um, it was nearly around this time last year very close to it where the government introduced the, another lockdown and it looks like um, we're edging ever closer to it again uh, restrictions coming in today we're discussing about uh, pubs nightclubs and all of that restaurants closing at 12 o'clock uh, what would your opinion be is it a matter that the government had to make a decision or is it another one that's kind of uh, pulled out of the clouds because one thing sorry just one further point on it the government seemed to have gone a bit further ahead today than the public health advice which is kind of strange last year they opened up when public health advice was against it public health advice this time was saying here we just need to kind of tone down things a bit but the government are after seemed to have gone a bit further yeah um 
I think you definitely need to take action. I think they're probably confused as what action to take. And sometimes when they, when they, when they know they have to take action, they don't know what to do. They just make a random sort of thing happen. If you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like the whole nightclub thing or like late bars open, like all you're going to do is, you know, and I'm not saying this, I don't own a nightclub or like that, but all you're going to do is you're going to force people from an organized setting uh, where you know, things are being controlled to a certain degree into into house parties, you know. And yeah. you know, we all love a good house. We all love a good house party, um, and they're great crack. But you know, you're not actually doing anything in terms of slowing the spread, and I'm possibly might even be further spreading it if you know what I mean. So it just seems like it's um, not that I think we're the Titanic, but it's kind of like a re- reorganizing the deck chairs on the ti- on the Titanic. It's not actually going to have a big effect and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think overall they don't really seem to. Um, I think they thought that the vaccination would have had a better effect, and now it seems like it's they're they're really going to be pushing the the third jab, if you know what I mean. So, I think it's it's almost kind of caught them by surprise. Um, I, I think just by the way they thought they would be, you know, a certain level of uh, protection. Um, but it doesn't seem to be um, like lasting maybe as long as they had hoped. So that's where they're they're going to be pushing everyone to get a third uh, kind of booster jab. Um, so yeah, like and I know, like I know, like we would criticize the government for their decisions, uh, and sometimes they make woeful decisions. But I do accept at the end of the day that they're just people, and they are probably trying their best. Um, and like and this is all this is a crazy situation and no one like signed up for this when some of these guys went into government a few years ago they didn't even know this was coming around the horizon so you know it's you know i think they're trying their best but i think sometimes they just they try and take action just to see like just to seem like they are taking action rather than actually being like something that really 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 makes sense if you know what i mean so i don't know what you think about it um I'm like, as you know, I'd be heavily interested in politics. I mean, I'd been involved. Um, I was really involved with a political party about a decade ago. Um, I was close to, it was said to me, I'd be very close to running an election firm. That's how involved I was. So I can understand inner workings of the political system. I have. I am a member of a political party, a different one from a decade ago, like I was saying. And like, I think we're slow to react. Um, I think like it's it's over a year now that there are talk about antigen testing and now automatically antigen testing is becoming an important part of it. Um and yes, I understand it's like everything you can get tests that may not be like Ron Seal, do exactly what it says on the tin, in other words. But they were accurate, maybe tests out there, only the public health experts at the time were against it. And they seem to have been kind of forced in to decision now to say here we're we're going to widely use them and I think it's a bit of a situation with the booster campaign at the moment the way I look at it Robbie is the I've been following the 
the development of vaccines from, I say, two weeks into, into the pandemic last year, um, when there were talks about, say, the AstraZeneca and the likes of the Pfizer and all of that. And I still do, not as much now because um, back working and all of that, but would have having a lot of time to look at the developments and all of that. And everything that I'm reading is kind of contrary to what's happening in Ireland, if that makes sense. I mean, Luke O'Neill would be a person that I would highly respect and listen to a lot. And um, he would have highlighted, highlighting a lot of things earlier this year, even during the summer, I say with antigen tests and our vaccine, um, but even um, booster campaign at the moment. And it kind of, I don't think the government and the public health experts, for all they've done, and they are after keeping the death rate down, and they deserve credit for that. But I don't think they're doing much to encourage the anti-vaxxers back in. And no matter what side of the scene you are, I'm pro-vaccine, to be others that disagree, and that's their entitlement. But kind of saying that vaccines aren't working as good as they're saying, the vaccines are working as good as what we were more than hoping for a year ago. I mean, the death death rate is way down. The numbers in hospital are way down, say, from the peak in January. The numbers in ICU are down from January. So to say that vaccines aren't working as good as they are is only playing into the anti-vaccine camp. Straight yeah, away. I get what you're saying, but it was kind of coming from even uh, Sam McConkie was saying it today, and he's like, I think he's like a scientist guy, and yeah, the government were kind of saying that it's like obviously they they're like they're they're working, but it's not providing maybe the the longer term immunity that they had hoped if you know what I mean so like yeah but so that's a bit of I think they they were kind of thinking that it would have and they definitely yeah. were pushing a situation where it's like if we get to 90% then it will be all okay but it, it's kind of turning a little bit that they need to get the third uh, booster in um, to continue the effectiveness, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I know definitely. And where I be getting really frustrated, and I agree with completely what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing one bit, far from it. But mm. I mean, there's so many. Uh, one thing I have a real grievance with at the moment is the, and it, it's fully fair and entitled, but it's the difference of opinion within, say, health experts. If you say, take, for example, um, there's, um, I'm trying to think of the scientist's name, um, Losher, or so, I'm trying to think, but they're saying roll out the booster vaccine. Luke O'Neill, roll it out, um, because the evidence from the UK and Israel has shown the booster works. But yet you have, say, the likes of Sam McConkey coming out saying, here, don't roll it out because it won't make an impact. But yet the scientific evidence, if you look at the cases in Israel, has gone completely down. And where I am having so much difficulty is the health services there to serve the people. 
And that's completely fair. And they come under pressure. Yeah, we have to try and help it as much as we can. But the health service kind of has to help itself as well. And I'm not on about the doctors or nurses or anyone like that. I'm on about, say, the chief medical officer, Tony Houlihan, NIAC. They, if the evidence is there, do not wait for the, the peak to happen. Do not wait until the shit hits the fan to say, here, we're rolling out the booster campaign. Israel didn't wait for to roll out the boosters and their cases has gone right down, even though Israel were where we are at the moment, kind of way, if that makes sense. And that's what really frustrates the shit out of me because the evidence is there, but yet we're trying to encourage people to take the vaccine, which is completely right. But yet we're given the ones that are hesitant to get the vaccine every excuse not to get it. And that's my greatest difficulty at the moment. Um, because I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but that's... Yeah, I know. Like, I, I think it's a fair point. Um, yeah, I, I just think as well, like, there's a huge factor of, like, there is a, still a huge unknown with COVID, even though we've had yeah. it for a long time, it still seems to come out quite unpredictable. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes when they say stuff as in like like I said, they're not going to once they open something, they're not going to close it again. And now they're closing like like that's that it. Yeah. So I think sometimes when and I think they do want to offer people hope and stuff, but sometimes when they come out and say you know, this is a line in the sand. We're not going to come back. We're not going to cross. And then they just do cross it. You know, I think people are like, ah, oh, you know. And yeah. like, imagine if you were, if you owned a nightclub and, you know, four weeks ago you were told, you know, this is something that's not, we're not going to go back. There won't be a backward step. Um, I think sometimes when they say stuff like that, they kind of um, end up hanging themselves in, in, in the end because it's just, it's something they can't control. And I think sometimes if maybe, not pretend that they could control it, but we're trying to predict outcomes. And I think they really, 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 really need to, to stop doing that um, because it's just creating a situation that's um, that's feeding the fuel for further people, like, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, and, like, personally, I think they, like, with the numbers the way they are, they, they probably could do another lockdown, but there's just not the political will there to get it over the line. So if they wanted to try and go into a full lockdown, like not to be riots in the streets or whatever, but you know, there would be a huge resistance to it. Um, and I think they might try and push it in January uh, simply because in January, in January, they'll be able to say, you know, we all partied a bit too hard over Christmas and everyone will be like, yeah, I think so. I think you're right, actually. And then it would be more, the more political will to do it in January, if you know what I mean. So I think, they probably should do it now, but there's just not the political will to do it, if you get me. Yeah, I know I'd agree completely with you, and it's another thing that really pisses me off, I won't lie to you, because um, I would have studied in finance and working in finance, getting back into it again, hopefully go back study it next year, and it reminds me of the recession back in 2008, 2009, we all partied we didn't all party a certain amount of people partied there were certain a good lot of people my age and 
uh, that made sacrifices last year, last Christmas, didn't go out. But yet the perception is, yeah, we all partied. And I mean, the mixed messaging and all of that, uh, political leaders have to lead. I personally think we will be locked down for Christmas. And I don't mean to be downbeat or anything, but I think it's the steps we're going to. And there will be political prices have to be paid for. And it's like you were saying, the mixed messages that is coming out is what's really frustrating. And I think it's playing straight into the anti-vaxxers camp. And I have nothing personal against anti-vaxxers. They have their own personal right and everything like that. But if you're trying to encourage people and to take a vaccine, do not give them any reason to. And I mean, there's talk last year that they may not be a vaccine. We're after getting a vaccine that's after protecting a hell of a lot of people and still is. And say that the vaccines aren't working as good as what we thought they'd be. The same people didn't think they would be a vaccine last year. And if you review back, one of the ones that would have seen it would have been a professor we mentioned earlier on. And they are an awful lot of people after making a profile out of this pandemic. And um, fair just, play. Just on, Sam Akanke, just on Sam Akanke, I think he was just saying they weren't. I think he was saying they do work. They just weren't providing the long, the longer lasting immunity uh, that they had hoped. And he was kind of recommending the third. So I think I just want to don't want to be. Uh, oh no no! Yeah, oh no, definitely. Oh no, definitely. Under and I wasn't. I wasn't even signaling just that they are others as well. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, they are one uh, particularly from one organization. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I oh, know definitely. I agree completely and. Uh, yeah, it's just, I think, I I genuinely, to, to have the shining light, I think this time next year, and I said it to the father earlier on, I said the same last year, but I genuinely believe this time next year we will be in a better position because the light, likes of the drugs coming out, there will be further vaccines and all of that. But, um, mm. yeah, I know, uh I don't know what to say more. I honestly don't. Sure, just leave it there. <laughs> just, just need hope. And I think that brings us on perfectly to the next topic on about hope, Robbie. Great hope for the Irish soccer team. A draw against Portugal um, could have won it. And a 3 0 win over Luxembourg. Um, Stephen Kenny deserving a new contract as well. So hope for Irish soccer. Yeah, it's, it seems like. We obviously had a very rough patch there, um, like with you know not scoring and not winning and you know all this sort of stuff, and it seems to be kind of coming through the other side of it now. And you know he's getting a lot of praise. Um, I'd just like to go back to my rugby comment. You know, don't get too high, don't get too low. Um, like overall, it was a terrible campaign, but he they did really finish strong, and there is lots of real kind of green shoots and lots of promise there now that I think you know wasn't there uh, at the start of the campaign but um you know i think the whole stephen kenny project is a long-term thing uh, and he just he needs to be given time he needs to be given resources he needs to be given space to implement his philosophy in there um 
and you know I'm, I'm delighted that things have turned around because he was under a lot of pressure uh, and they were playing well in little, in little parts and stuff like that and just not getting the rub to green or whatever um, yeah so I'm delighted for him personally that he's, he's you know finished the campaign well um, and hopefully it's a situation where we can kind of kick on from here and play good football Get, res- get results, score goals, and uh, everyone's happy. So that's what that's all we really want for the Irish team. Everyone you want, everyone wants that, you know. But um, yeah, it's it's really good, and we finished third in the group, um, which we don't uh, qualify for even the playoffs or whatever. But you know, I, I, over the start that we had, you know, it was probably decent enough to finish up third. Um, so yeah, fair play to them, and I hope in the next campaign we're, we're in the shake up. Uh, for the whole campaign because it's it's very depressing watching international games as it is but when we, we we don't have anything to play for it's even worse you know yeah no definitely I'm delighted for Stephen Kenny I would have slightly advocating at times for him and then other times was frustrating but I mean when you're trying to in other words build an entire new team um the progress that's after being made and it's kind of funny what when was their first win was it against Andorra I think in a friendly um, and yeah. I mean that seemed to be the the start of something um, and I mean we ran through what seven games undefeated around seven games undefeated um, up to the game the other night and should have beaten Portugal over in Faroe only for the brilliance of Ronaldo, <laughs> unfortunately, um, could have gotten a win the other night, except for a referee's decision against Portugal as well. And to be fair, there were stages in that Luxembourg game that was really, really bad. It was really bad. But when they got the goal, they got the confidence. And as you were saying, it is a project. And the one thing that Stephen Kenny said the other night, which uh, really kind of endeared me more to him, was he was involved at under 21 ranks. So he knew when he called on Jason Knight what Jason Knight would do. And you see the assist that Jason Knight got for uh, Obene, was it? Um, sure. to, I think it was, um, but it was just a terrific assist. and. Um, I mean, it's onwards and upwards. I mean, Irish soccer has been in the doldrums, not just on the field, but off the field for a number of years. So, uh, actually, great credit to the under-21s tonight as well. Ollie O'Neill getting a last-minute winner against Sweden, who are topping under-21 group. If Ireland drew that, you could say they would have been out of contention, but the win tonight puts them right back in it. So... Um, you can kind of see the influence of the senior side going down to the under-21 ranks as well. So maybe maybe in five or less years, we might be, I won't say a real major force, but we'd be really competitive again, maybe like the Irish rugby team, that big teams would be scared, fear coming over to play Ireland. Or is that being a bit too optimistic? Are we a bit far off that yet? No, no, I think we could definitely get there. Um, you know, in a few years, get the young lads through and stuff like that. So, yeah, like, I think that's all we really want. We don't want like, asking for people for them to go out and win tournaments or whatever. We just want to be, you know, when when other international teams see that they're playing in the Viva, 
that they're like, right, this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a test. And that we just go out and beat the the so-called lesser teams convincingly. I think that, like, if anyone wants any more than that, they're, they're dreaming. So I think if we can get to that stage, I'd be I'd be more than happy, to be honest. Yeah, I know. And on that note, I agree completely with you. Um, actually, next topic, I am not taking any stick for uh, because it'd be one that would be close to my heart but I did definitely didn't put this topic down uh, Stephen Gerrard Aston Villa um, after having kind of good success with Rangers um, after bringing them up he's taken on Aston Villa good move for Stephen Gerrard Robbie uh, yeah I think it's a good move Um you know, realistically, obviously, Rangers, big club in Scotland, but at the minute, Scottish football is, you know, regressed, even, like, from the days of you had, like, um, that Celtic team with Henrik Larson, you could say that Scottish football was, well, especially, like, at the top level, was in a really good place, but it's after going back a good bit, um, and Jared did really well to win, win, win uh, the league with Rangers and stuff like that, um, but I think it was a natural that when a big club came calling from England that he was gonna he was gonna leave Rangers straight away. That was just always gonna happen. Um yeah. and notably enough, his contract that he signed up to with Villa ends the same time as Klopp's with Liverpool. So you never know. Maybe he could be if he does well at Villa, he could be in the shake up for uh, the Liverpool job. That brings me to the next question, actually, Robbie, because we would have chatting about Henry Shefflin going to Galway and Henry Shefflin would have been seen as the successor to Brian Cody. Drawn on that comparison, Stephen Gerrard would have been seen as the successor to Jurgen Klopp. If Stephen Gerrard has a bad managerial patch at Aston Villa and as a Liverpool fan and a great admirer of Stephen Gerrard, all you've done. Could that hamper his chances or will he still be in the running for the Liverpool job no matter what because of the legend he was? No, I don't think so. Like you see, like a, a similar stature player would have been Roy Keane. Um, so Roy Keane was he at uh, Sunderland, did well at Sunderland yeah. and then it fell apart at Sunderland and he went to Ipswich and it kind of fell apart as well. And then you know that was really it. Like so, I think you only have you only have limited chances in management. Yeah, and even you see uh, Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard went to Derby, did a decent job. Yeah. He went to Chelsea, decent job, and then he had a bit of a fluff of the season. And now it's like, you know, who would who would go in and ask him to manage their club? Like you know what I mean? So I think there's probably a factor as well that if you're been like a successful player. And then maybe you're you're serving your time in management at the at the smaller clubs and you're working up to the big one. You know, realistically, your probably goal is to get to the big club eventually. And if that's not going to happen, you'll probably just be like, right, I'm just going to go into into punditry now, and uh, that'll be that. I'll just I'll just you know get dressed up in a suit on match day and have a chat about the match, have a bit of a laugh, and you know it's kind of comfortable enough life and stuff like that. Sure maybe write a few books and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think there's definitely, you know, whatever about the, the shelf life of players, um, like management is really cutthroat. And like there's some managers who are just in the game the whole time and they're going to different clubs and like journeyman managers and stuff like that. But for the majority, it's like you either kind of make it do a decent job or, you know, 
like a couple of jobs in, you could be done and dusted and your your career's over effectively as a manager. So I think if things do go pear-shaped to Aston Villa, he definitely won't be getting any any knocks on the door from Liverpool, let's say. Yeah, I know it'd be a big fear I'd have, I won't lie to you, but um, we see how it plays out. I mean, uh, I, personally, I wish Steven Gerrard the best. I don't want him to get any results against Liverpool, but um, I hope he does well and we see how it, take, uh, how it takes off for him there. Maybe, maybe the right move may have been same with Rangers, but sometimes... Um, big players have to take chances and that what distinguishes champions from everyone else. They they take the what would you say sometimes erratic decisions, but we see how it plays out. And the next topic, Robbie, is a really, really interesting one. Um so as anyone would know if you're going for a job as a a prospective new employee, you'd be asked for references. Do you think uh, new employees should be able to get references from for an employer or prospective employer, say three references for a job you're going for? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, you know, you see sometimes up on jobs that either just like there's some employers that are just advertising the whole time for the same jobs. They're obviously filling yeah. that vacancy. And then people are leaving, you know, the way. So even that's a bad sign. If there's a company that's always looking for the same type of people, then you're like, right, it's just a massive turnover there. So there's something happening there that's that people aren't happy with, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I think, you know, if a boss can ask you for a reference about your character and stuff like that, you should be well able to, you know, ask for references um, for your employer or just give me like three former employees and ask them what it was like to work there. And yeah, I think you definitely have a lot of people probably making better decisions as a result um and like i suppose like in that scenario the person looking for the job is maybe a little bit more desperate than the person trying to fill the vacancy so they're probably less likely to probably you know heed any warning from any red flags or whatever but it definitely would be you know for someone who's going to make a leap in career and that could affect their whole life uh if they had a little bit more inside information i think that would be good so uh what do you think yeah, I know I'd agree completely with you. Um, they are a website, I think it's glassdoor.ie that um, I think it's that anyway that I would have looked up a few times just to just to kind of research because as you say, if you see the same job coming up over and over again, there would be question marks about it. And um, I think especially, well, it's kind of a difficult one because you would say for a while it was an employer's market um, because especially during the recession where the number of unemployed outnumbered the jobs, employers could be more picky than the prospective job seekers. Um, luckily, and touch wood, the vast majority of the jobs I was ever in were successful and I was able to get good references from thank god uh there were other ones that would have been mm, uh, <laughs> kind of iffy i won't lie um but do you think actually it just brings me to the point do you think that it's kind of unfair on a prospective job seeker that 
it is an employer-driven market. In other words, if you look at it, you're offering your service for a reward, which is a salary. Do you think sometimes that can be taken advantage of or do you think sometimes um, the rights of the employee may not always be there, in other words, that there's a desperation that you need to work, that you just have to put up with it to get payment, in other words? Uh, yeah, I think definitely like the employer employer uh, holds a lot of the cards in the majority of scenarios um, because people want to work and, uh, you know, they're probably willing to lower their standards. And, you know, for some, some employers can uh, take advantage as well, you know, way. so, um, yeah, I think definitely that the employee, like there's definitely maybe if there could be something that could level the playing field there, you know, that would be good. But uh, I think, you know, for the foreseeable, it will be just uh, an employee, uh, the employer will hold all the cards, you know. Yeah, I know definitely uh, very valid points there. And yeah, be interesting seeing years to come how things will go because um, um, there are talks a bit like uh, pandemics, recessions come and go now again. So it'll be interesting to see how everything emerges after um, this difficulty that's going on around the world anyway. Uh, we move on, Robbie, and I won't lie to you, I had to look up this next person's name, but the minute I did, I knew straight away who it was. Paul Rudd is the world's sexiest man at 52. Uh, do you think we'd be able to pull it off at 52 uh, to be the uh-huh. world's sexiest man? Jeez, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> well, the reason why I put it in there was, is it? do you think that guys or men like at a certain point, you know, the they just age well. Uh, like you could never have. Well, you probably could. We could, but like you know, it would be very rare in like societal standards for a fifty-two-year-old female to get the world's sexiest woman. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's possibly a thing that you know, guys as they get a bit older, maybe get a bit sexier, or maybe like it can go either way. Maybe sometimes they just turn into older versions of themselves uh but like the thing about paul Rudd as well is like he looks amazing you know he looks like probably younger than he's ever done i don't know i don't know what his secret is or if he's done a deal with the devil or what the story is but um (laughs) he just you know he doesn't seem to age at all he must have some one hell of a morning routine i don't know he's having lemon water or whatever the fuck he's having but yeah he just seems to be aiming aging like really well and i suppose um Maybe that's why he's getting it as well. But um, I just think overall, maybe do guys age a little bit better than women or whatever? Um, but, you know, having, saying that as a bald guy, I would definitely prefer to have been have hair when I was younger. So maybe not true for everyone. Maybe just for Paul Rose, I don't know. Well, they say, well, it's said that people, <laughs> it's said that, um, people that are bald are more attractive, people with beards are more attractive and all of that. Are we, is is the world becoming more shallow, Robbie? Is it? <laughs> now, what I mean is, is, is looks and appearance becoming too much, in other words, maybe say the likes of, just say, take the example there, you say a man can be more 
attractive or sexy at 52 compared to a female at the same age. Are we, are we shallow? Are we becoming too shallow? Definitely. I think we're really shallow. <laughs> if you ever watch um, Love Island, I'm sure you don't, but if you ever watch even just the first episode, you'll notice there's a recurring, recurring uh, theme with the guys. Uh, obviously, they're all shredded and in great shape, but they all have got, they've all got hair as well. I'm like, you know, you could just throw a bald guy in there and make me feel a bit better. Um, but um, yeah, I think definitely like overall society is uh, is really shallow and yeah, like with Instagram culture and like all oh, like the whole like the whole thing is just kind of set up for like and filters and everyone just has to have the most you know perfect body and perfect abs and everything just has to be you know have the perfect life and stuff like that. But yeah, I think definitely you know people are very much more self-conscious of how they look and what they wear and you know their skincare routine and the makeup and all that sort of stuff um yeah i think definitely we are an extremely shallow society and we will be better off um with less of that focus on the looks but um i can't really see it going anywhere anytime soon to be honest yeah no i'd agree with you be one of the the downfalls of say social media and all of that and also the reality programs and you kind of really feel for um the teenagers coming up as well because that's the image that's portrayed and um uh, I don't think we'd be able to solve it on the podcast anyway but it's a thing that you'd be really worried about with the future what we things could work out but um yeah no really interesting topic there i know i dragged it on the tangent but uh yeah no yeah, fair right. play to, fair play to paul rudd for being voted the world's sexiest man at 52 we move on anyway robbie to the highball oh the highball. okay so the highball this week was a brilliant one uh, that robbie came up with and um I won't name anyone because I get in serious trouble with it because there are too many I could. But if you had to invite someone to a party and they were late, and if they were late, you'd get a million. Would you be? Would you win the million? Um, I definitely think if my family were to invite anybody, they'd invite me and my kids. Um, probably because we're always at least a half an hour late um and it's probably become a bit of a running joke so i think they definitely would invite me uh and probably you would invite me if it was like a zoom call you'd probably invite me uh you'd probably, <laughs> no, bet, no, on me. No. You'd probably bet on me being there maybe five minutes after because uh, i usually throw up um a message in the group uh, before we did podcast you know five minutes after make some tea so i think you probably invite me for a zoom call anyway but um yeah, I'd like. I think I don't really know who would invite, um, other than myself. <laughs> but in general, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good with kind of um, uh, uh, keeping time and stuff like that. So I know I probably I probably have to go for my sister, my younger sister. Um, she would probably be always a little bit kind of behind time and late and stuff. And even when she's kind of leaving, whatever our family house or whatever, she's always kind of saying that. Um, she's going to go at a certain time and she leaves like way later and stuff like that. So yeah, I'd probably go with my sister then. Who'd you go for? 
Um, like I was saying, I, I'd have too many to mention. There's a running joke, actually, in Mocker and the Firma that if you say something's on at, say, a certain time, eight o'clock, it will always begin at 10 or a quarter past or even later, and it's called Mocker time. And it's a, it's a funny thing. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of bad that way because I'm nearly always early. Um, if I have to go somewhere, I always tr- strive to be really early third. Um, so, yeah, I was, I, I was kind of aware of it at, at times that people be showing up late, but then I was saying, yeah, maybe it's my fault because I'm there way too early. Like, um, Maybe, yeah. They were, yeah, I was on a couple of dates at times that... Uh, the, the girl was late <laughs> um, and unfortunately there were one date I went on that I was actually late I say for one of the first times in my life and so <laughs> uh, but it ended up working out we went out for a while but uh, yeah so, I, I'd, I'd say I definitely win the million definitely yeah. um, <laughs> there'd be too many to mention actually but <laughs> there the way it is, things come to those who wait. So yeah, I have great friends that way. So, but uh, yeah, yeah I definitely, <laughs> definitely win the million. Actually, just going on that, do you think the Irish? Well, some are relaxed that way. Say compared to other cultures, say would it be tolerated? Say the Irish kind of laxadaisiness would it? Would it wash in other countries, say the likes of France, Italy, or that? Would it be kind of seen, say, if you're late to work of a Monday morning, it'd be kind of excused because you had a few pints the night before, like? Um, yeah, I, th- I think maybe it probably would be a bit more socially acceptable in Ireland and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely compared to some other European countries and stuff. Um so yeah, I think it, I think it would be more socially acceptable. I would probably be on my own and going places. I would definitely like hate to not be on time and stuff like that. So I would definitely be quite conscious of the time. But I've like we got a few clients and even people for fitness classes and stuff or for different appointments and just waltz in like twenty minutes late and they're you know expecting everything to be just fine like in a way. So I definitely think we are probably more relaxed. Um, then, so, then definitely some of our, our European neighbours for sure. Yeah, I know on that note, I think we wrap it up for tonight, Robbie. It was a pleasure mm-hmm. as always and really enjoyed that. And hopefully uh, when we're talking later this week or next week in the next podcast, we might have slightly uh, a better atmosphere around the country anyway. But um, a pleasure hopefully. as always, right. hopefully. Um if you want to contact us on the podcast, you can contact contact us, sorry, on our social media channels on Facebook and Instagram. And we love hearing from you. And um, it's great to see listeners listening in such high numbers as well. So it's terrific and we really appreciate it. Until next week, Robbie and everyone, take care and chat to you then. Thanks, Robbie. Cool. Good chat. Sounds good. Good luck. Good luck. Bye. Bye. Bye.